What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Vegas Like, if you don't know anything about rugby, don't talk to me. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Without the symphony, the shadows in my The tingle of the spine, the tingle of the loins. And the night never changes, the sins are the same. Billy in love, but keep them all the pain. Bowden's gonna heat the pace! He leads the charge! Go, Bowden! That's so damage! That's the way to go! Kia ora and welcome to The Run Home with Kim and Brad with me in studio today. All thanks to McDelivery, the music you were listening to there. Sam Cullen and the Cold Midwinter released today. Uh, check it out, support some of our local Kiwi talent. An absolute tune that as well. Pleasure to have you with us here on The Run Home as always. This Friday, the 10th of November, can you believe we are there already? And The Run Home in honour uh, of it being, you know, what is it now, six weeks or so until Christmas. Uh, we have have the pleasure today of coming to you live, not from uh, an exotic location, sadly. Uh, we haven't joined Beeve, you know, up romping around whatever gorgeous Queensland coast he is at the moment. Uh, no, we're in, we're in Studio B today, relegated to... The back of the building, if things sound weird, we're going to blame it on that. Uh, For reasons that I'm not actually 100% sure of, I asked the question, got an answer, smiled and nodded my way through it and went, look, it sounds legit and I'm not technically savvy enough to really understand. However, we are here now in the show, as as the good people say, must go on. Big old sporting day as well, plenty to discuss. So let's start, shall we? with the cricket. Let's start with the good stuff because, you know, we like to be upbeat and uplifting here on the run home. So the Black Caps, all but a shorter spot really in the semis now, uh, unless something really, truly dramatic happens with Pakistan in their match against England. They've dodged the uh, scary-looking thunderstorms looming over Bengaluru. They've managed to avoid the banana skin, uh, slipping on the banana skin that could have been Sri Lanka, and they are sitting pretty in that fourth and final semi-final spot at the moment. Unfortunately, uh, that does mean a semi-final match-up with India. However, they've got to lose at some point, right? They've got to lose at some point, and why not to us? Brad? Yeah, and uh, if we look back to pool play, Kim, mm. or group play, which we're still in, by the way, um, we're probably the closest team to beating India. I mean, we got them, what, five or six down, chasing 280 with three overs to go. So we did push them, and... Uh, Simon Dill made a great point in commentary, as he always does last night, when he said, look, regardless of who India play, and it looks like it's going to be New Zealand, the pressure's going to be on India. Absolutely. There's going to be no external expectation on the Black Caps. There'll be internal expectation from that team. They'll think they can win. 
um, and they'll and, and they'll go into that game knowing that they will win uh, whatever the result may be. But there'll be zero external expect, expectation and. You know, if you if you bowl first, you have them three for sixty. You know, doubt will start creeping in. Are we going to fail under all this expectation? So, the pressure will be on India. Um, is it a, you know? And regardless, Kim, Australia, South Africa, India, tough game. Yeah, very, very tough. And in a way, you'd almost want, and I can almost see Steve Devine, uh, my occasional Friday mate, sitting there making this argument to me at the moment. This this sort of circumstance, you want India. Yeah, and you want the team that is going to feel that heat and that pressure. The most. Especially because they've lost in the semi-finals at the last two mm-hmm. World Cups to the Black Caps in Australia, I believe, if I, my memory lapses back to 2015. And we obviously beat them in a really amazing 50-over mm. game. Marty Guptill's run out of Dhoni late in that piece, sealing the Went sealing across the two days, didn't it, that one? Yeah, there was, there, was, the there was some day rain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, dramatic. In a game New Zealand had no uh, no chance of winning when they what, were 170 for six or something at one point, ended up scoring a decent sort of mid-200 source. So, look, the... The, the pressure will be on India, no doubt. And and I'm just, look, I'm stoked for the Black Caps. Um, I think Sky Sport might have gone a little bit early this morning <laughs> by saying that uh, live coverage of the Black Caps versus India on Wednesday, uh, there's still the matter of Pakistan, England. I, I guess probably the simplest way to put it, Kim, and you would have done your research too because you are a cricket uh, ninja, uh, is uh, what? Pakistan bat first. a nice first. way of saying nerd, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're a ninja. Pakistan bat first, score 400 and bowl England out for 130 is basically the dealio that, that we're looking at here. So, uh, uh, or, or I think India... Uh, Pakistan are going to need to chase down whatever they chase down in a ridiculous amount mm. of overs for not that loss of many wickets. I simply will never count my chickens, particularly Neither. when it comes to Pakistan, who 92. just seem <laughs> seem to somehow get themselves out of the most absurd circumstances you could possibly imagine. I would also note that, now this is purely off memory, uh, but we didn't have Kane Williamson when we played India and Paul play Correct. either. He was still recovering from that thumb fracture. Uh, and so that works in New Zealand's favour as well. Uh, I, I just think I think it would have been a confidence boosting win, that one against Sri Lanka. That obviously had a run of poor results against those other three teams who have already locked in their semi-final berths, although they did come oh so close to Australia. Uh, and I just, I just think that that would not have done all that much to damage their belief, because realistically they came so close against Australia. I mean, Pakistan, DLS, it really, if it wasn't for the rain... You wouldn't have thought, even with the start that they had, necessarily that yeah. they would chase it down. To be to be you realistic two, about that, you had two wickets to that scoreline. Like mm-hmm. we go bang bang, as they say in the cricket circles, mm. and two hundred for three looks mm. a lot different than two hundred for one. Absolutely. So, yeah. One of the funniest things uh, from that Sri Lanka Bob game last night, though, was did you see oh, when they were about what eight wickets down. We had Sri Lanka about eight wickets down uh, and went for a review off Lockie Ferguson's bowling yes. for an LBW, and the ball. Took so he almost middled it off his bat yeah. <laughs> into his pads, and I think the greatest part of it, uh, aside from being like gobsmacked that they would go for it, Daryl Mitchell, uh, if I recall correctly, was leading the charge to review this. <laughs> the best part was when it came up on the big screen and showed the ball just rocketing oh. off this bat into the pads, and the looks on all of the faces players was truly. 
hilarious. Like Daryl just kind of walks away in absolute shame, but with a big smile on his face. Kane Williamson just puts his face in his hands. You could not (laughs) wipe this laughter and smile off Tim Southey's face, who is clearly just thinking, great, I've got ammo for the next five years to remind Taz of this exact moment. It was glorious. And you know what else I really uh, did enjoy seeing as well, and I will be honest here, I only stayed up uh, for the Sri Lankan same, innings. Same, same, same. <laughs> and then it was bedtime, uh, but it was Trent Bolt. Yeah, looking, finding, like, looking like Trent Bolt because yeah. he was... Upped his pace let, a bit. Let's be honest, he was really poor against Pakistan. Mm. Like, his length was all over the place. He was doing exactly what the batters thought he was going to do uh, in terms of his length, uh, you know, and he he needed that performance. And sort of Sam Ackerman, who's hosted the show Monday through Thursday this week, posed a question to myself and J-Dog yesterday about, you know, if New Zealand are to win tonight, who's the player that needs to stand up? And I said, Trent Bolt. Mm. We need Trent Bolt to nick a couple out early doors to put pressure, because that's what we'd be mm. missing. And those power playovers. Head and Warner, what they scored, 200 opening partnership, Zaman and... and uh, uh, Baba the other mm-hmm. night. We, we need to nick our early wickets to put pressure on the middle order of all these teams because they're all very strong at the top, you know. So that that was key in alleviating the nerves because <laughs> there was, the rain threat was around and also you don't want to be chasing 230, 240, mm. you know, like uh, on, on a wicket that seemed a little bit up and mm. down. So uh, Trent Bolt was huge and uh, uh, let's hope that's the Trent Bolt for the rest of this tournament mm. because Trent Bolt firing makes us – a hundred times a better chance mm. of beating India. And if you look forward uh, to that semi-final, like I say, if, if we're working off the assumption here that we will get through, that the Black Caps will get through, uh, and they will, of course, play India. And, I mean, a, a million times over, I cannot emphasise enough that this is easier said than done, but if they can get Coley cheaply, yeah. and that will quiet the crowd yeah. as well and take them somewhat out of the equation, yeah. that would be... Key. You say that, and then you look at that batting lineup: yeah. Gill, Rohit, oh, absolutely. Jadeja, absolutely, Shayasira. But you're <laughs> but right from yeah, the, the perspective of that take, talismanic like figure. Wicket. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And just to, just even if it dampens the spirits of the crowd a little bit, we'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, We've had a text in here as well while we are talking cricket. Um, What about Henry Nichols? Now, this is some big news that is developing this afternoon, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is that Henry Nichols, the Black Caps and Canterbury batter, has been reported by the match umpires for allegedly, now I'm reading off a New Zealand cricket statement here, allegedly breaching New Zealand cricket's code of conduct. The statement says Nichols has been reported for allegedly breaching Rule 3.1, Article 1.15 of the code during day three of the Plunkett Shield match between Canterbury and Auckland at Hagley Oval. Rule 3.1, Article 1.15 involves changing the condition of the ball in breach of Law 41.3, a lot of numbers there, (laughs) uh, of the laws of cricket. I will simplify this very soon. As a level two matter, the allegation will be referred to and heard by an N. NZC First Class Commissioner. Basically, Henry Nichols has been reported for alleged ball, tem- ball tampering mm-hmm. in the Plunkett Shield, and that matter will be investigated. A huge emphasis on alleged at the moment because this is under investigation. There are videos doing the rounds uh, on various news websites and social media uh, in which you can see the action that is uh, at the heart of this incident and these allegations mm. it's it's a very un-Henry Nichols type of thing to do like when I saw who it was I was like really Mm. 
You know, like it just uh, it doesn't. And look, we had a couple of discussions out there in the office, and one of the one of our colleagues was like, "I don't really see anything too dodgy going on," mm. and a couple of other people were like, "No, nah, there's something going." On. So yeah, like uh, I guess it's a matter of opinion. And look, the umpires, if they see something, they kind of have to go with their gut feeling, right? And uh, and that is what investigations are for. Correct. As and well, it's it's like a crime if it's alleged mm. before you're you know proven guilty. So now there'll be a process, and Henry mm. Nichols will have to obviously defend himself, and and we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but it does beg the question about, you know, and, and I, I said this to you earlier today. I was like, imagine what it was like back in the 80s and 90s when there was no cameras following domestic cricket round in the 70s. Like, you know. What you could get away with. It would, it would have been nuts, right? Because, you know, it's domestic cricket, but there are cameras at every game now because they stream all the games on the New Zealand cricket website. And we've certainly, you know, we've seen numerous occasions, of course, of ball tampering happening before uh, the most famous or infamous, you should say, was of course that case with Australia, David Warner, Steve Smith was captain at the mm. time, uh, and Cameron Bancroft uh, out at Newlands with the South Africans. Uh, and that obviously became quite infamous and a huge, huge story uh, in Australia and in Still global cricket as well. Today. But it also uh, raised memories of, you know, all sorts of attempts at uh, helping the ball work in a way that would be beneficial to your team in terms of, you know, th- there's all the old stories of saliva with some sticky well, lolly Rick, told me, effectively on them. Riggs told me just quietly, barley sugars and Mentos mints were the, mm. were the two, you know, things that yeah. a lot of people were using back in the day. And you also hear stories about, you know, running out to the, the boundary and sometimes if there was a bit of concrete around or something, the ball just gets a quick scruff along there before it's thrown back in. All of these sorts of yarns uh, have, have happened. So it's not... Uh, an unprecedented action as such, and I would emphasise again, this is this is very much an alleged accusation, etc. at the moment, uh, and we w- wait to see uh, what will happen further with that investigation. Um, however, it's, it's, uh, it's a disappointing look. It's a disappointing story to be doing the rounds as well. It's disappointing, sorry, whenever this sort of story does the rounds when uh, for the game, it, it should, you would love it to be all eyes on black caps, hopefully uh, all but being in the semi-finals, mm. and there's such a positive element to that. Uh, and then it, it, the talking point becomes something like this, which is just, a bit of a shame. Just quickly on that before we move, and just, and just to, to, to make us feel better about ourselves, and I was thinking about this earlier today, about how, you know, yes, we're perennial, the bridesmaids, and we'll, but think mm. about it, 2000 and uh, the last four World Cups we've been semi-finalists. Mm. And I think um, five... Five out of the last seven World Cups, we've been semi-finalists. That's an amazing achievement for New Zealand when you consider the the resources that England have, that Pakistan have, that South Africa have, that you know Australia, India. Mm. Like, I, I think we should be really, really proud. Um, and this is assuming Pakistan don't get some miraculous job done. But I think that's a really cool thing that we should be proud of as a cricketing country that we're always written off before the tournament. No one picks us in their top four. Even some New Zealand pundits struggle to pick us in their top four, but we seem to always be there or thereabouts, and I think that's something we should be really proud about as a cricketing nation, that we do bat above our weight at one-day World Cups. Yeah, absolutely agree. Tony texting here as well. I've looked at the Henry Nichols video, can't see what he's done. I mean, basically, Tony, the allegation is that he's used uh, the rim of his helmet 
to scuff the ball, yeah. effectively. Uh, but you can look at the video, you can make of it what you will, you can be aware that we might not have all of the angles and information uh, at this stage and investigation will take place. In the meantime, here is what is coming up today on our Macca's menu. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with Delivery Very soon, our sporting headlines. Then we've got Michaela Foster from the Phoenix joining us on the show. Paddy Baines as well as on to preview UFC 295. Black Cap Test Match whiz Ajaz Patel is on, recently caught up uh, back to that test team for the tour of Bangladesh. And Ruben Bradley, yeah, the boss big man. boss man, is B-dog. on the press box. So you know what you'll be getting from me? Mm, absolutely. Yes, no, I totally agree. 100%. <laughs> Just jokes. We'll wind him up. Courtney Tidy's on as well to preview the Fast Five World Series. We have our Razine Most Colourful Moment of the Week. We raise our glass to the best bits of the run home and we've got our TAB update with BP. Greg O'Connor is on a stacked old show today. The Chemist Warehouse weekend sporting predictions and it's Friday. You know what that means. It's time for Kim's Akashi. Text us in on the Temper Bear Post text machine 8833 with what you would like to be included in our four-leg multi and see if we can win you a bit of coin over the weekend. That is thanks to McDelivery delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. The Run Home's Sporting Headlines. Here's what's making news today. For Blackcaps and Canterbury batter Henry Nichols is in the hot seat after being reported by match umpires for ball tampering. During Canterbury's Plunkett Shield match with Auckland this week, Nichols was captured allegedly scraping the ball across the rear rim of his helmet as he carried it between the wicket just before tea on day two. Canterbury went on to win the match at Hagley Oval by two wickets and on Friday today New Zealand cricket confirmed Nichols had been accused of breaching its code of conduct and will be investigated. The hearing date and potential penalty are yet to be determined. Ollie Jaeger looks set to play against the Crusaders in February having reportedly agreed to join Irish side Munster. The tighthead props move is expected to be confirmed early next week, days after he requested an early release from the Crusaders. The move will put Jaeger in line to face the team he's played 51 games for since 2017, with the Crusaders set to face Munster in a pre-season match in Cork on February 3rd. Jaeger was a notable omission when the Crusaders named their 2024 squad on Thursday, with new coach Rob Petty confirming the 28-year-old asked to be cut loose, allowing him to pursue an opportunity elsewhere. It's more than two years away from completion, but the New Zealand Warriors have already committed to playing at the new Christchurch Stadium. In a joint press conference at the construction site of the Takaha Stadium, the Warriors, Venues Ototahi and Christchurch NZ confirmed the team would play an annual NRL match in Christchurch for the next three seasons. Under the partnership, the 2024 and 2025 fixtures will be played at Apollo Project Stadium before taking the 2026 game to Christchurch's new international arena, Takaha Stadium. I love that uh, for Takaha. Cannot wait for that city, what a wonderful city it is, uh, to have that huge stadium in place. Those are your sporting headlines. Get us those texts in on the Temper Bedpost text machine for Kim's cashy Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort.
listening to The Run Home, thanks to MG Motor NZ Performance Retold with MG4 Electric. Well, it's been a stunning start to the A-League season for the Wellington Phoenix women. They sit third spot, in third spot rather, off the back of two very good wins and host Western United at Jerry Collins Stadium in Porirua on Sunday. Now, one of the keys to their success has been Football Ferns defender Michaela Foster, who joins us this afternoon. Michaela, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kim. Thank you. It's fantastic to have you on the show. Look, I did want to start out uh, in terms of addressing, I guess, the the elephant in the room straight off the bat because there was a bit of an incident uh, involving you and your mum, unfortunately, in Paris that's been widely reported. Mm. Um, first of all, very sorry that you had to, to deal with that uh, because no one ever would want that. Is, is there anything you, you want to say right. or feel comfortable saying about that? Um. Yeah, like obviously it's not the nicest situation to be in, but and we just finished a really awesome day in Paris, one of our first days um, actually getting there, and um, we we were okay honestly, and it, the situation didn't didn't escalate to anything more, and um, we were able to kind of um, I guess play it out safely, which was nice, and um, able to get home safe without without actually being robbed or touched, which was really cool. So. Obviously, it's not a nice thing to go through for anyone, like you said, but um, no, me and my mum handled it quite well and, yeah, happy to come away from it unscathed, definitely. Oh, very, very glad to, to hear that you're okay, of course, uh, and, and your mum as well. Um, out, outside of that, how was the trip? I mean, for those who, who don't know, your dad is the All Blacks coach in Foster, and I imagine you must have come home feeling pretty proud. Oh, definitely. It was it was cool. I had obviously the opportunity to go for the first two games um, of the tournament, and that was amazing. It was incredible to be there to support him, and my mum was there for the whole tournament, which um, I know kind of helped him get through it a, a little bit easier. To just having family support and um, obviously being an athlete, I know what that's like. So for him, he he enjoys having family around. So it was it was really cool actually, and we we loved it. And um, obviously, the incident didn't put a downplay on any of our experience in France and yeah we had a great time kind of tripping around and, and as well as supporting the boys and enjoying the tournament but yeah like you said it was quite cool to to finally have him home and yeah extremely proud of what he's accomplished and not only the tournament but the last four years but it was a it was an amazing finish so yeah really really proud of him. Yeah, and I'm sure that goes both ways uh, because I'm sure he is phenomenally proud of your feats as well because on the footballing front, I mean, it's been a whirlwind over 12 months for you. Have you really had much of a chance to take a breath and reflect on the last year at all? Yeah, I guess the only break I really had was after my World Cup in in August. I got a little bit of downtime, which was, uh, yeah, like you said, I haven't had a lot of time to reflect on it, but it's been... It's been incredible and it's only been 12 months of professional sport for me and mm. I'm into my second season and it's been yeah, quite an uphill path and a really exciting path so I'm excited to kind of see where it keeps leading and I know this is only the, the start for me especially with professional sport and into the football ferns and yeah it's been, yeah I can be proud of myself I think that's for sure but like you said my family have, have been there for the full journey and been cool to have them um, in the crowd supporting and yeah I can feel feel their support and how proud they are too which is really cool. Well and the journey continues you mentioned you know second season uh, quite a stark difference the start of the season to one's previous uh, couple of good wins to start things off it looks like a team playing with some decent confidence at the moment does it just does it feel like everything's kind of clicked? Yeah 
yeah, it's like you said, I think that confidence is starting to show a little bit and um, just individual confidence is starting to come out even at trainings and I think that's helping to boost that team morale as well and we have that new standard that we're setting and we want to keep keep that going each week and our bar was that round two where we won and that's what we want to keep doing and um, that opening game against Melbourne City, obviously it was you never want to lose, but I think we started to show what we wanted to bring mm. to this season, and I know we're still we're still clicking in some areas, and we're obviously quite a new, fresh-looking team and new management too, which is I think it's exciting for for the club, and it's probably what the club needed and for this team. So it's like you said, it's been a quite a different start to the season, but um, the energy is high, and I think we're we're on top of the world a little bit at the moment, but we know it's just the beginning, so we've got, got a lot lot to go. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, you mentioned the new management there as well, of course, and you coached the season in, in Paul Temple. What do you think he's brought to the side? What's making a difference there? Yeah, I think he's a exciting new coach for this for this team and for the A League and the style of player we're trying to trying to play is new to to us and, I, and as well as the A League. I don't think many other teams are playing the style of football that we're we're trying to play, and um, it's obviously working for us at the moment and. Like I said, not everything's clicking for us, it, we don't think, but things are starting to kind of happen, which is really exciting on the field. And um, it's a fresh energy that Paul and his staff bring. And obviously we've got Cullum, who's our assistant, who's kind of followed through from last year. So I think that bit of consistency has helped too. But yeah, he's he kind of plays the game for each individual. Like they, He brings out our strengths and is able to bring that to the team kind of environment. So I think that's really helping uh, one of the, I guess, unfortunate sides of sport always comes on the injury front. Uh, we saw a very unfortunate injury for Grace Wisniewski in your last game. How is she doing? How does that impact the team? Yeah, it's it's obviously hard, especially with that sort of season-ending mm. injury. It's tough to to not only be with, but for her teammates to kind of be there. And we are, we're supporting her, but she's been really positive, actually, and she's... Um, got all the results now, which is I think kind of helped with the recovery process and what comes next. So she's doing really well, and she's got the right people around her, and um, she's a positive person. I've known her; we went to high school together, so I've known her for a few years. So she's she'll make jokes about it and kind of deal deal with it in her own way. But yeah, like I said, the right people are around her, and um, yeah, she'll be back in no time, definitely. I can only imagine the duo you two would have made uh, at high school on the field together. You must have absolutely <laughs> tormented the other teams. Uh, another player that has started making a bit of a name for herself in this in these very early days, uh, your import, Mariana Speckmeyer. She's showing some real quality up front already. What what can you tell us about her? Yeah, no, I think she's been crucial for this team kind of coming into this year and um, bringing it, bringing in a striker who is wanting to score goals and is in front of the goal and can put it in the net is is really what we were kind of missing and what's really exciting for this year and she's um, experienced. I think that was kind of the main thing that we needed for for this team. We've been called a young team for a few years and mm. we still are in a way, but to have her experience um, in America, especially and all three of our American imports were played in college and then two of them in the NWSL, which is one of the best leagues in the world. So for them to bring that experience to, to the Phoenix is, is huge for um, not only results, but I think for the younger players and myself included to kind of learn off, off their experience and 
that's kind of where we want to keep pushing for. And yeah, she's scoring goals, which is exciting. And yeah, I think she's really enjoying Wellington, which has been cool too. And from your end, what are your, like, have you set yourself some personal goals and and targets to achieve for the season ahead, uh, be it domestic or international? Yeah, I think domestically I've kind of stepped up into more of a leadership role with this with this Phoenix camp, um, team and been vice-captain along with Chloe um, behind Inley Longo, who's mm. obviously a really crucial signing for us for this team. But I think that's something I'm trying to work on this season and grow that leadership style and hopefully I can help that to bring results. And I think last year I showed consistency and performance and now it's kind of raising the bar again and not just patting myself on the back after a good season I want to keep improving and kind of pushing so that we can get more results and and make the playoffs that's kind of that's my goal and I know that's a team goal too so and then obviously talk about internationally it's continue to make make the ferns it's always an honour to to play for New Zealand so that's definitely a goal and I guess long-term Olympics is not too far away so that's kind of the next the next aim for me. No, it is not. Uh, just around the corner, in fact, the Olympics. It feels like it is coming up in a big hurry uh, after the delayed games last time. That is Phoenix defender Michaela Foster. Thank you so much for your time uh, this afternoon. We very much appreciate it here on the run home. Good luck uh, for the season ahead, both domestically, as I mentioned, and internationally as well. We'll certainly be following uh, your progress with great interest and hoping that the Knicks continue to go well this A-League season. Kayla Foster there with us coming up. We preview UFC after five with Patty Baines. And one thing that I love about this time of year is that the cricket chat just does not stop. Even while the Black Cabs are in action at the One Day Cricket World Cup over in India, we're also looking uh, at the test squad named to tour Bangladesh, the return of a certain Ajaz Patel who is with us now. Ajaz, great to have you with us this afternoon on the run home. Congratulations on being called up once more to that test squad. I mean, do you still do you still get a thrill when you get the call up? Uh, good afternoon, Kim. Yeah, I think every time you get called up to play for New Zealand, it's quite special. I mean, I think it always takes you back to that childhood dream of uh, representing your country. So it's pretty it's pretty surreal every time, to be honest with you. And it's quite exciting, you know, um, knowing that you're heading away on another tour uh, for the country. When you know that the Black Caps are primed to tour somewhere on the subcontinent, in this case Bangladesh, do, do you have a certain expectation of being called up or are you not quite in that stage? Do you just kind of still sit there and, and, and hope and wait and stare at the phone for a while? Um, I mean, my personality and, and I guess the person that I am, I think I'm always sitting there hoping, even if I am a surety. Um, but I'd like to think that, you know, um, from in terms of what I've achieved in the subcontinent mm. um, and through my career, that um, I'm giving myself the best chance. But... I also think that that mindset allows me to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to keep getting better and um, keep improving as a cricketer because I don't ever kind of want to feel like I'm comfortable. I, I want to continue to, I suppose, grow and keep getting better so that 
um, you know, when the next opportunity does present itself, I, I guess I'm better than I was the last time. Yeah, you've never struck me as one to rest on your laurels, Ajaz, and I think most recently, right, you've spent the winter remodelling your bowling approach a bit. Is that right? Can you tell me about that? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I mean, I was looking at ways on how I could, uh, I suppose, you know, present new challenges for batters. And um, for me, uh, I guess my action or my, I say, I say, I say my, well, they're both my current actions, but and and I guess in a sense my old action where the approach to the crease is a bit slower, um, and I've just tinkered with that a little bit to to kind of just increase a bit more momentum to the to the crease, and I've found that that makes things happen a lot quicker, whether it be visually or off the surface. Um, it's just making sure that you take a little bit more time away from the batsman in terms of them picking up a visual on on what's coming down, and uh, as as cricketers, I suppose we're trying to, you know, it's a margin of, of small millimetres. So any any little gains that you can get, I guess, you got to try and, and use them and, and make the most of it. So it was just a small bit of tinkering to try and see how I could get more out of myself and, and, and keep growing and keep getting better. It's funny because you say it's a small bit of tinkering, but I imagine it's actually quite hard for someone who's spent their whole life uh, with a run-up fairly, you know, fairly similar uh, their whole lives now having to change that. Is it actually quite a difficult thing to do and be quite conscious of when you're going about almost, I mean, almost reinventing yourself in some ways? Yeah, I suppose it is a big shift, but in saying that, I, I don't think it's something that I'm not used to, I guess. Um, as a youngster, I started off as a fast bowler before I switched to spin bowling. And then when I first started spin bowling, I had a, a quick approach to the crease and then broke my finger, um, which then changed my approach to the crease following that. And now I've kind of gone back the other way to then bring momentum back into my into my run-up. So I've constantly, I guess, changed to, to kind of put myself in a position to, to keep getting better. And I guess the biggest shift is um, having the mindset to, I guess, own that and be comfortable with that and, and accept the fact that it's different and not worry about um, any external voices if, if they may come, if they may not come, or oh, why did you change, did you need to change, all of that kind of stuff. I, I think mm. you've just got to be super confident and back yourself. And um, as long as you're agreeing with the fact that, you know, you're doing it for what's best for you and you feel like that's going to really make a difference, I think, you know, you've just got to get that mindset right. And I think that's sometimes the hardest part about change is, is mentally telling yourself that it's the right thing to do. Um, but the great thing is I've had opportunities uh, leading into this tour to really put that into effect um, by going out and bowling in warm-up games um, and then going and playing a few Punga Shield games, which really helped lead into this tour and, and build that confidence up as well. How much harder is it as well to notice and recognise the difference it's making when you are playing on these New Zealand wickets that traditionally do not offer you much in the way of spin anyway? Yeah, it's certainly, uh, I suppose sometimes it can be a bit of a challenge, but the great thing is you have guys um, behind the stumps, your wicket keeper, your first slip, and even batters. Uh, I think just talking to people really gives you a good indication of how it's coming down at the other end and um, what they're feeling and what they're listening out for and, and how it's hitting the gloves for the keeper, for example, um, I've had really good feedback from behind the stumps, but also talking to other guys who have actually faced some of it, uh, uh, and it's been quite positive. So, mm. yeah, I suppose you just got to trust it, and, and you got to, you know, really trust that, you know, the feedback that you're getting, um, and 
and get feedback from people you respect. Uh, and I suppose that's the biggest thing is that, you know, when people you respect are telling you that something's going well, I, I think you're more, I suppose, uh, more inclined to accept that than just listening to the voice in your head. Mm. When it comes to those people you respect, I, I trust probably a, a few of your domestic teammates are some of them. Was there a moment where you're kind of, you know, you're trying this, you're bowling at them in the nets and they're just going, yep, yep, nope, that's better, that's better, you got me there. <laughs> um, no, no, I don't think there was any particular moment. I think the biggest light bulb moment for me was, uh, you know, coming out of county cricket and, and sitting back and reflecting on, on how... I suppose the last uh, eight to twelve months had been, and and kind of um, thinking about what I could do to to continue to get better and and keep getting better, and what would make the biggest impact on my game. Um, and so I played around with a few things, and I tinkered with a, with a few things, and and I just felt that this was this was the best way forward. Um, that's not to say that my old action is completely gone. Mm. Um, I'm still using my old action as well. Um, and I, I guess I'm very, very lucky that I can kind of switch between the two quite comfortably. So, I mean, I, there's been occasions where I've bowled with both the actions within the same over. Um, so it's 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 not, I suppose it's not kind of uh, world-changing, but at the same time, obviously, it is quite different and something new. Yeah, and it's also just one of those uh, one of those tweaks, and it's the intricacies of cricket that we all love, right? And that makes such a difference uh, from a from a playing perspective, and also from a viewing perspective for those of us who love to watch the game. And my understanding as well is it was somewhat uh, inspired by Ishisori, who also changed his run up. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, looking, uh, I suppose when when Ish kind of came back with with a bit more momentum at the crease, and 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 speaking to him, and and kind of having conversations with him around what he felt it gave him. Um, and and I suppose it was a little bit inspiring for me to see someone who'd played so many games for New Zealand then to be comfortable and uh, on a whim just go, well, you know, it's not quite where I want to be, so um, why don't I change? And for him then to come back into the test squad and, and, and play as well as he did and, and also, I suppose, seeing the confidence that it gave him was, was massive for me and, and it kind of... I suppose was definitely inspirational for me in a way to kind of go well you know what you know it's it's not you know that you can't change or you can't keep growing or you can't do something different um it's just you know i suppose challenging yourself to be open and accepting to that and sometimes look you try things and they, and they don't work and other times you try things and you might just find that little bit that gives you a little bit more which uh, i guess as an international cricketer you're always chasing Mm. And when it comes to that uh, international cricket, as we've mentioned, uh, you will be going off on this tour of Bangladesh. Have you been before? What are you expecting? Yeah, so I went uh, a few years ago um, to Bangladesh on a T20 tour. Um, I guess it somewhat gives you an indication of what the conditions are going to be like But in saying that it was a white ball tour. So test cricket, I'm sure, will be slightly different. Mm. Um, but I guess once again, going to the subcontinent, uh, we know that they're going to be spin, spin friendly. I guess that's reflective of our, our um, squad and our bowling attack. Um, and then obviously there's the high humidity and the heat, um, which hopefully this time of year um, it shouldn't be too bad. But you know those are famous last words. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we have an understanding of what it's going to be like, but at the same time, it's it's relatively new for a lot of us who haven't played. Um, any test cricket in Bangladesh and this will be our first time so it's about getting used to the conditions as quickly as possible and, and really acclimatising and, and 
uh, you know, figuring out what, what game plan we want to take uh, into the matches. As you mentioned, it is a uh, spin-heavy squad there, but really, is there any is there any such thing as too many spinners on a tour like that? Uh, for me personally, probably not, um, <laughs> because I, I, I enjoy having other spinners around. It's a, it's it's quite nice to you know talk spin bowling and then the art of spin is I, I suppose so um, so so crafty uh, that you know the the language that we use within ourselves is totally different um, and it's just going into really the nitty gritty of spin bowling and um, myself and Ish will sit there for hours and just talk spin bowling um, and I really enjoy that kind of stuff I suppose I'm a bit of a badger when it comes to spin bowling so it's quite cool to have that many of us guys around and it's always great to be able to bounce ideas off each other and have conversations that hopefully we can grow and learn from. I'd be fascinated to be a fly on the wall and sit there and listen to that, to be perfectly honest, uh, because I can... I, I, think, I, think, I think for some people it might get a little bit boring, to be fair, <laughs> but um, but we love it, so, yeah, we just keep going. Oh, sensational. Um, on the caps over in India at the moment, I mean, look, it's a pretty tough old viewing time zone, New Zealand, I think, for it in many ways. So are you, much like uh, some of us back here at SUNZ, kind of making your way through the days a bit bleary-eyed after late nights watching the World Cup games at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I guess the Black Caps have played some very, very good cricket in this World Cup so far, and it's been quite cool to see, you know, like, guys like Rutchen um, setting the, the stage on fire and um, see how well our, I guess our group is contributing uh, all together um, and I think you know being a cricketer you're always kind of interested and, and intrigued as to what's going on so it's quite it's been quite cool to watch obviously it's a difficult time um, especially mm. when you're playing a full day or as well oh, like yeah. being able to being able to watch a game and then um, try and go out in the park so Sometimes it might just be, you know, catch a bit of the first innings and um, you hope that you know which way or which direction the game's going in, but try and catch up on some of it in the morning. Um, and there's been some surprise upsets, as there always are in World Cups and stuff like that, which which I suppose makes the World Cup so much more exciting, you know, um, to, to see those uh, teams um, really upset some bigger nations has, has been pretty cool as well. You need a kind of uh, agreement between all teams and officials, I think, that you just, after nights when the Black Caps have played, you get to push back the start time by a couple of hours. I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out there, <laughs> put the ideas into action. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Probably Rajan. easier for us yeah. if they play a day game. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Raj in there, and I was actually thinking about this before because you more than anyone probably understands what it's like to be him in some ways. You know, your name just shot into lights and superstardom when you took your tenfer over there. He now is kind of going through this experience of someone who could walk down the street to someone who is a, a superstar over there performing the way he is in the country of his heritage. What what do you think this has been like for him? Um, to be honest with you, he's, he's a very, very mature lad um, when it comes to, um, I, I guess, cricket. And, and the way he holds himself, so I don't think it would have it would have changed him much. But at the same time, I remember from the time when when I had something like that, it was it was a little bit overwhelming to begin with. Mm. But I think then you you learn to kind of go, oh, well, actually it's gone. And I suppose the great thing for Rutchen is he didn't have too long to dwell on it because you're in the middle of the World Cup, so you kind of just carry on and move on to the next next thing and the next assignment and the next task and. 
like I say, such such a calm head and such a level-headed person that it would have been very easy for him to just park that and, and move on to the next, I, I suppose, assignment and, and the next task. Um, I think within the group, though, for a, for a long time now, I mean, uh, even at first-class cricket level, I think everyone knew how talented he was and, and how he, how good he will be. Um, and it's, it's great to see him out there and, and showcasing um, especially his batting ability, which uh, I think you know is quite phenomenal for a guy of his age, and and his understanding and his maturity around the game of cricket as well is quite quite impressive. Yeah, definitely agree on that front. Um, and just quickly before I let you go, Ajaz Caps now looking very likely uh, for to be playing India in the semi-finals of this World Cup. What do you make of the chances? Well, as I suppose as a black cap, you always have to believe, don't you? Exactly. Um, Good. <laughs> we've, um, we've we've played some we've played some amazing cricket, and I mean over the last ten years, really. Um, and it just kind of, you know, every year we we go into the competition and people write us off, and, uh, and I think a lot of the times we uh, do a lot people uh, a lot better than people expect us to do. Um, so I think it's really important that no one ever writes off a black catch side because uh, I think mentally and, and also um, in terms of the cricket attributes that we've got within the team, there's definitely, you know, match winners in there. So it's going to be a great final, no doubt, uh, sorry, great semi-final, no doubt about it. But um, yeah, I guess for me, it's, all, it's always going to be, you know, supporting the black caps and make sure they can get that one home. Sensational. AJ's Patel with us there. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck uh, on the tour of Bangladesh and, of course, for the rest of the domestic season as well. Love chatting to you as always, getting your insights uh, and oh, just learning all about the uh, the remodelling you have done. It's been fascinating stuff. That's AJ's Patel. That was our Macca's feature, feature interview. Thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. Remember to give us a text on the Temper Bed Post text machine. Double eight, double three for Kim's Cashy this week. Temper and bed posts, range of mattresses and adjustable bases. Adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. It's the Friday Press Box on the run home. Yes, it's that time, press box time, and I am delighted with my panel today because the boss is on, Ruben Bradley. Welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Uh, Please don't fire me, everyone. We are on our best behaviour, okay? Everyone, Brad, Jacob, we're on our best behaviour. Nice to see that for a change. (laughs) No, it's my absolute pleasure. (laughs) <laughs> it only counts when you're in the studio, uh, out of out of studio. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, press box today. We've got we're covering the raft of topics, and so mm-hmm. let's start with this news that came out late yesterday. Bowden Barrett uh, and the chance that he is back for the All Blacks next year if he signs this multi-year deal with New Zealand rugby, which raises a couple of pretty pertinent questions. And Ruben, we will start with you. What position will he want to play for the All Blacks, do you think? And then what super team do you think he'll play for once he comes back to Super 2025? Question number one, I think he's going to want to play first five. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at the All Blacks situation, 
he hasn't really played first five for such a long time, and he hasn't played first five behind that pack that Jason Ryan transformed mm. and suddenly turned into a world-class forward pack. He was playing behind for, for those struggling years under this recent coaching tenure. He was playing behind a pack that really was struggling and wasn't. Then Richie obviously took over, dominated, and then he got the benefits of the Jason Ryan transform, transformed pack. Bodie never had that opportunity. So I think he's definitely going to want to play first five, and I think there's every chance he's going to thrive in that position on the Super Rugby point. Uh, Blues, I think. I think that he, with all the changes at the other franchises, I think he could identify an opportunity to create some history for the Blues and to create a legacy and, dare I say it, dare I dream <laughs> a legacy. A, sorry, a legacy. Dare I dream. I couldn't even say it. I stuffed it up. A dynasty, potentially. Oh, That's what I'm dreaming but, of. Oh, my gosh, Ruben, are you from Auckland? I never knew. I never would have guessed. Brad, what about for you? Where does he play? What super team does he go to uh, eventually? If, won, if this eventuates. He 100% has had, like, for this for this to get out, first of all, it's probably been leaked by the New Zealand Rugby Union, I would imagine, or both well, embarrassed managers. They talked about it on yeah, a Zoom yeah, yesterday. Yeah, so they talked about it for a reason, right? So, look, I'd imagine, and Chris Lindrum sort of said, look, nothing's locked in yet, but we're confident that we will be able to get this done. Uh, I'd imagine this has been driven by two people, uh, Scott Robertson and Bowden Barrett. And and you mentioned the word legacy. Bowden Barrett, arguably one of the you know top three or four first five eights talent-wise that New Zealand's ever produced, just hasn't quite... You know, he hasn't won that big test match for the All Blacks at number 10. So, look, I think this is driven by Bowden wanting to uh, finish on a high. He's seen Johnny Sexton play till 38. He's 32 mm. now. He's like, and Johnny Sexton became a game manager. I think Bowden could potentially turn into that type of game manager as well. And I think that, look, we had a few people texting last night saying, hey, he could still play for the Hurricanes and um, travel, you know, like Nonu did and other people have done before. Bowden Barrett's got, what, one one very very young child and I think it's a two kids, years got a, yeah. and they're, I think they're both under the age of five right so look as a dad I don't want to spend more than a day away from my kids uh, so I would imagine that he will stay in Auckland his wife has settled here um, and yeah I, I think he'll play for the Blues yeah I will say one of my uh, ongoing bugbears when it has come to squad announcements for the All Blacks in recent times has still been continuing to list Bowden as one of the three first five mm. options, and then he never plays. Can I can at I just tell you a funny five. story about that? Uh, so News Hub, um, when I worked there on the digital team five years ago, it was the first time he'd been announced as like potentially a fullback. This was before the 2019 World Cup that season. The talk, the the dual playmakers, ugh. and we listed him as an outside back because that's what the media press release listed him as. He he quoted our tweet and said, "Laugh out loud, Bowden Barrett, outside back." As in, I'm not an outside back, I'm a first 5'8". He quote tweeted our graphic. <laughs> so that shows you his mindset back then. That might then. be where it came from. When it comes to the All Blacks, though, there's one thing I still don't want him to do from first five, and that's kick. I want Geordie to kick. I still believe we would have won that bloody 2017 oh, Lions series if Jordan had just, Jordy had just kicked. <laughs> six, six years, Roops. Oh, six okay. Years. We are not letting it go, but he's still waiting for the Blues dynasty, right? So <laughs> give the guy a break. Oh, we need to take a news and sport update with Johnny Mack now. We'll be right back with more from the Press Box. Let it go, let it go. I want to win that 
It's 4.34pm, the boss is in, Jacob's playing up. Time for more on the press box. You're listening to The Run Home, thanks to MG Motor NZ. Performance retop with MG4 Electric. <laughs> it's the Friday press box on The Run Home. As dads, we've heard that song a lot. <sighs> yeah, I know I know the words off my heart. It's a bedtime song. <laughs> I'm very happy for you. <laughs> for uh, me, no. as, as a non-parent, I have not heard it that many times <laughs> apart from really in the context of this show when we need to tell people it's to let things go. It's a very go. good film. <laughs> Ruben. Alright, well on this note, Super Rugby, we're doing a bit of a who's hot and who's not and I'm sure you would love to tell us exactly who, what and why things are hot at the Blues. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've done a very scientific study of the uh, of the Super Rugby squads as they came out uh, in preparation for today's chat. Mm. Um done an experiment. So in my hands here, I've printed out a list of each New Zealand squad. I've gone through with a highlighter and I've stopped and highlighted every name that made me stop and say, oh, well, that's a good get. And we could be talking about someone who is established, like taken from the blues, like Rico Ioane, mm-hmm. obviously established player and, and all black, etc. Or someone who has promised so much for a while and perhaps hasn't reached their potential yet, but like we, we know what that person can do at their best. So maybe it's a Hoskins Satutu or something mm-hmm. like that. So when I go through, <laughs> I look at uh, 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 the Blues. Oh, yes. And they attracted a healthy 14 highlights. highlights. Oh, Quite okay. pleased about that. All right, next. The Reuben Bradley, the who's Chiefs, hot player rating. Exactly. Yes, yep. go. The Chiefs attracted... A 12. 12 hot players. 12 from me. All right, mm-hmm. okay, yep. Ooh. The Bloody Crusaders, 16. Uh, oh. Even though I feel like they're probably the ones who've hurt the most in this recent exodus, they still their have a 16 on the Ruben scale. Their team is jacked. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, team, the, 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 the Hurricanes uh, attracted nine. Oh. Okay. The team I really fear for this season. Here Again, it comes. Here it comes. I highlighted only two names. And the Highlanders. Highlanders. Ethan DeGroote and who was the other? Falau Fakatava. Ah, of course. Yeah. And you look through there and look, there's... Billy Harmon's sh- good player too, right? Sure, he, yes. He, I, I, uh, no, he wasn't highlighted. He's there. I, I, I debated that possibility whether he was in that realm or not. But in the case, so maybe we take it up to three. Oh, I do fear for... And the next step to that is if there's some grand plan on the, on the horizon that involves Japan and Australia and we have to drop down to four teams... Not going to happen. Surely not. I can't see it being accepted. But when you look at that, and and if they struggle again, it's going to be a tough battle for them to. But they're still they're still they almost the fifth best team in the competition. Like they're probably the sixth. You know, <laughs> almost. Probably, that says more about Australia. Maybe maybe seventh best team in the comp if you look at records. So like they're, they're sure. a reflection we- on the comp. But I think the Blues are in trouble. They have their tight five depth is weak. I love the Blues. I want them to win. They've got a great back line, and their loose forward trio is dynamite. But up, but the tight five, they, they have Brad, no locks. Brad, look who you're sitting next to. I, Brad. I am a passionate Blues man. But they <laughs> lack depth. They lack depth outside of their starting tight five, so I think they're in trouble there. Um, obviously, the Highlanders are in trouble. I really like the Crusaders, what they've done with that team despite all the losses. I think uh, Halfpenny's probably going to end up slotting in at first 5-8, at least until Fergus Burke comes back. I think that's a masterstroke from Rob Penny. Um, they still look good. They're going to have a great pack and a great back line. The Chiefs are going to be great. And the Hurricanes sneakily good up front. Like I had a look at their squad yesterday and 
their loose forward trio is unbelievable and they've got they've picked up James Tucker from the Blues as well so I think they're going to be very very good It is a bit of a testament to the ongoing depth building at the Crusaders that like you say they can lose mm. some of the players that they have and even Cody Taylor going on a non-playing still sabbatical stacked. for much of the season <laughs> and you still look at it and just go oh yeah that's an awesome team yeah. and they have, okay. they have players <laughs> who potentially could feature under Scott Robinson and Cullen Grace and Ethan Blackadder Quinton Strange guys like that Look, and Dallas McLeod looking for to, to um, have another great season Sever Reese is back they're going to be very good just on the Highlanders' note, uh, with your two highlighted marks as well, mm-hmm. Clark Dermody, obviously, a bit of a rough start to his tenure as head coach. Do you think it's just acknowledged down there that this is an ongoing rebuild and he still keeps getting chances, even though Jamie Joseph is now in there in this overarching, what is it, director of rugby, yeah, what, some such title, really whatever happens. the position is? Yeah, what really happens? Who is really in mm. charge there? Is it Russi Erasmus? Who's actually going to be pulling the strings here? Uh, um, yeah, I think they. It, it is, but how long can you rebuild a team like that that just doesn't have success mm. at the top level? One title and that's it. I know if Stephen Donald was here, he'd be saying, bring back the draft. <laughs> bring yeah. back the player draft. Right, outside of Super Rugby, Fast Five Netball oh. is happening this weekend, which does tend to be the question uh, mm. around these formats. What sport, in your mind, has the best kind of short-form Version. If you were cynical, you'd say, you know, that the, the version for those of us with uh, slightly lessened attention spans mm. in the current modern age, you know, a little bit more time scarce, you know, is it is it the three-on-three basketball? Is it the speed lawn bowls? Is it T20? Is it sevens? Is it fast five? Uh, Brad, we'll start with you. What have you got? What's your favourite format? Tell you format? what I saw on TV the other night that I couldn't take my eyes off and I put it on the list, speed lawn bowls. <laughs> I did wonder where that came it's from. It's pretty good. Like, I, I, it's not it's not my favorite, but it's a good it's a good watch. It's a good watch for bowls. Uh, I, I I like all of them, but probably T Twenty cricket for me. I, I love cricket, uh, and I think it's revolutionised Test mm. and One Day cricket, mm. where now you can chase a score of three eighty two or, or, or four hundred <laughs> because you're you're scoring two hundred in a T Twenty game in the last twenty overs. So I think it's 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 changed the way cricket is played. What about for you, Rob? Actually, a bit out of left field here. I'm going with short track speed skating. Oh, oh! So short track speed skating. That's why he's the boss. Is <laughs> is a variant of the longer form of speed, speed skating, skating. Yep. which is around a 400 meter ice track. And how many 400 meter ice tracks are there? There's like in Canada, there's two, <laughs> and they shut one down and converted it to normal ice rinks because it was a waste. The second one, so there's basically one, I think, one other one on the on the other coast, in a country that is all about ice and snow sports. And what yeah. it was was an opportunity to use a hockey rink or a figure skating rink and turn it into a racing sport as well. So it was being purely developed from that point of view. And that is a spectacular watch at the Olympics. The crashes, the speed, the the corners, the overtaking. We obviously know the Stephen Bradbury story, which lives one of the on in history as one of the great Olympic victories ever. So that's probably my cho- my uh, my choice for best short form version. I like that. I don't mind that at all, and I have uh, been lucky enough to go and watch speed skating live at the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang, and it is such a great sport to watch. Not li- not least the little uh, what are the machines called that go the, and the Zambonis. Nice. The Zambonis. I love the Zambonis. Right. Last but not least, uh, before we wrap up the press box. Mm. Today, International Rugby League, because we all loved watching that Kiwis mm. win over the Aussies. <coughs> oh, can I have some more, please? Boss, boss, can hey, I have some more? Yeah, and look, uh, I think Origin is the problem. It's the, it's obviously, it's the showpiece, it's the elite version of 
representative rugby league but I think into uh, origin is the problem because you can't have players that can play origin and Kiwis or yep. England and that just simply needs to change yep, Scott Sattler said it on uh, Sports Day a couple of days ago on SEN it needs to be driven by the players if the players want it they need to go to Peter Volandes and say more international rugby please and it will happen it needs to be player driven and they want it well in that case Players, off you go. Yeah. Your uh, the players' association has flexed its muscle a wee bit in recent times, so maybe they can flex their muscle around that as well. That is all we have time for on the press box today. Thank you both so much for your time, boss. Thanks for coming in. Very much appreciate it. We'll be back with Courtney Tidy talking some fast five netball after this. It's 4.48 here on The Run Home with Kim and it is time to talk some netty because the latest edition of the Fast Five Netball World Series takes place over the weekend at the Wolfbrook Arena in Christchurch. New Zealand will be joined by teams from Australia, Jamaica, England, South Africa and Malawi. The Fast Five Ferns will be coached by Marianne Delaney Hoshek and the squad features Silver Ferns Grace Wicke, Whitney Soonis and Michaela Sokolich-Beetson. So to discuss, we are joined by Sky Sports' Courtney Tidy who will be courtside on the weekend court such a treat to have you with us as always and we've seen a very experimental New Zealand side in the past but this year looks like they're bringing a bit of heat that's right Kim thank you so much for having me um, down in Christchurch at the moment got here today I can tell you the city's buzzing all the teams are in we've seen them and you're absolutely right I think uh, Netball New Zealand would like to end the Netball calendar on an absolute mm. high and uh, the team looks great. I like the inclusion of uh, Grace Wicker. I think it's great for her. She's still coming back from injury, but also she can provide that height under the post. So it allows, I think, the freedom of uh, the goal attacks to put up those long-range shots because in fast five, especially when it's a power play, mm. they can be worth two, four, and six points. So I really like the way uh, that we've gone about selecting this New Zealand team. Do you think that there is scope for more focus on Fast Five netball throughout a normal year, or is there just not really space in the calendar to allow for more of it? Unfortunately, like I don't think there's space to allow for it, unless you sort of make it, I guess, the more up-and-coming uh, players. But I think, you know, for we're looking at it to possibly netball be a possibly an Olympic sport, and they're thinking that Fast Five could be the way of doing that. So that excites me. So, you know, I think Fast Five, I've played it before. We won, I think, back in 2013. It was the most fun netball I've ever played. It's a great time. So I think it would be a really good addition to the calendar. It's just being able to find the time to put it in, really. I like how you slipped that in there, Court. I just just remember when I won, and it was uh, pretty awesome, actually. Thank you very much. Dawn Purvis reminded me, actually. That's right, we did. What a time. And this is the hard thing, though, right? Like, you see these iterations of of kind of short formats of various sports, netball included, but you see a lot more of T20 and cricket. You see a lot more of sevens and rugby, and so it's just about where you manage to, to squeeze it in and, and what that might look like, um, particularly, as you say, as, as the sport tries to broaden out uh, and, and take on bids for competitions like the Olympics. We also, you know, we've seen a real party atmosphere 
in the past, uh, as you mentioned there, it's a great time for, for the players and for the fans. I expect that we'll get the same same again this time around in Christchurch? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are already people coming down from Auckland today. They're already excited. They're telling us about their costumes. We will be in a bit more of a fun attire, I would say, oh. side. Uh, yeah, so uh, we'll have some fun shirts, and it's just a great time. The music's going, you know, there's lights, there's everything. The teams, they come out, you know, you spend most of the time actually practicing your dances <laughs> rather than actually training. And they come out, they'll do their dances. So it's an absolute 